bell's going to come sooner than I want, so I better get started. The second bell. Now the young folks had a cut through there. They say the quickest, the quickest way between two points is a straight line, and they just proved that. All right, the shortest distance. Let's have a prayer and then we'll dive in. Our Father in heaven, we thank you again for renewing your blessings on us today, uh, just for allowing us to wake up and have another opportunity to grow into the image of Christ. Uh, we appreciate the fact that you give us light in your word and show us the way that we ought to go. We appreciate uh, having a body of believers to strengthen us and encourage us along the way. And we're thankful for times like this where we can pause in the middle of our week and think together about what you would have us to do and how you would have us to do it so that we'll have a little, a little more energy, a little more steam, a little further commitment to doing what ought to be done today and throughout the balance of the week. We ask you to forgive us where we have fallen short. We thank you for your, your great patience with us. Uh, help us not to abuse it, but to be urgent and doing what needs to be done. In Christ's name we pray, amen. All right, we've been thinking about uh, God giving us Christian homes. Uh, my thinking on that subject is that God has already made all the provision he needs to make for us to have Christian homes. Uh, so if we wanna have Christian homes, then we simply need to uh, take an accounting of the direction that he's given us, and then we need to have a firm commitment to doing what he tells us must needs be done. The uh, first couple of lessons that we did in this series that we're doing now, the first one was on leadership in the home. And of course, God provides a structure for the Christian home. And uh, certainly you don't have to have a husband and a wife in the home. Uh, you may be a single person, but if you do choose to marry, then God has provided structure for that relationship. And if two people do marry, they don't have to have children. There certainly is no crime involved if people don't want to have children. But if they do have children, God has already provided a structure. And so then whoever's in that house, God has ordered it. And if you want to have a Christian home, you'll respect the order that he has given. The father, the son, the son being the head of every man, the man being the head of the woman in a marriage relationship and the both of them rearing those children who are submissive to their commandments and laws. And so the second week, last week, we thought about the idea of law in the Christian home. And the big idea there is that while God has given us uh, general precepts for Christian living, his expectation is that the husband, or if there are no children, just the husband, that he would take the lead in setting some rules and some order for carrying out and developing into what God wants that house to be. So he's making rules and laws under God's rules and laws to move the, the occupants of the home toward what God wants. And uh, you saw that uh, in the book of Proverbs in particular, Solomon refers to several times in those first nine chapters or so, 
the laws and commandments of the father and the mother. And so the mother is a participant in ordering that house and giving rules and so forth to structure uh, what occurs in the house. You gotta have rules in order for you to maintain order and security. And in a Christian home, people don't do whatever they wanna do. Uh, that's kind of the way people's modern ideas about rearing children sort of allows for that, but the Word of God doesn't, doesn't really allow for that. Uh, and so that's what we looked at the last couple of weeks. This week, I want to revisit a concept that I mentioned last week as I was trying to just make some suggestions about laws that you might uh, consider adopting or just giving you at least some examples of how you might structure laws for your own home. One of the things that we talked about was this idea of studying God's word. And I want to drill down on that today, the idea of learning in the Christian home. Would you look with me at Deuteronomy 6, please? We will make a reference to it, but I mentioned it last week and I want to look at it again, sort of as a, uh, a launching point for, for what we want to talk about tonight. Uh, questions or thoughts, comments, you know, feel free to jump in uh, as usual. Um, I, I'm happy for you to do that. If you don't, then I'll just sort of keep going. In Deuteronomy 6, in verse number 6, uh, this is Moses preparing the uh, second generation that came out of Egypt to go into the promised land after the first forfeited the right to go. He says to them in verse six, and these words which I command you this day shall be upon your heart and you shall teach them diligently to your children and shall talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise up and you shall bind them for a sign upon your hand and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes and you shall write them upon the doorposts of your house and upon your gates. And it shall be when Jehovah your God shall bring you into the land which he swore to your fathers, to Abraham, Isaac, and to Jacob, to give you great and goodly cities, uh, which you builded not, and houses which are full of good things, which you filled not, and cisterns hewn out, which you hewed not, vineyards and olive trees, which you planted not, and you shall eat and be full. Then beware, lest you forget Jehovah who brought you forth out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of bondage. He says, you will fear Jehovah your God and him shall you serve and shall swear by his name. Then he goes on to say, you'll have no other gods before him. One of the things that seems to happen in our society, and it's partly because of the embarrassment of riches that we enjoy, is that we have sort of forgotten God. And one of the reasons that we do is because we don't emphasize who God is and what God does by way of blessing us in our individual homes. There was a time when we could sort of expect that the school system was going to reinforce that for us. And so we might plant a seed and it'd be reinforced for our children all throughout their public education. And we might expect that our neighbors would reinforce all of this with us. And so, you know, there was a time I remember it where, you know, sort of the whole community was involved with keeping children safe and so forth. And you could expect that at least your neighbors had a common set of morals with you. Well, listen, all that's gone. All that's gone. Uh, if your children are going to have a godly mindset, it will be because in your house you teach them maybe 
teaching them something that the world is antagonistic to rather than supportive of. In this particular passage, he tells the people that if they are going to succeed where their predecessors had failed, that they're going to wrap their entire day around the word of God. And he uses some imagery there, writing it upon your doorpost. And, you know, there's some uh, there are some Jews who actually do that, hollow out a place in the doorpost and they put a scroll with a portion of God's word in it. I mean, that's not what he's actually talking about. I don't believe he's not saying that you need to physically do that. But he's saying, hey, listen, when you come into this house, you come into a house that is controlled by, protected by the word of God. And when you walk out of this house, you you take the word of God with you. It's a frontlet for your eyes. It controls how you how you see things. You talk about it all the time. That passage. I say that passage tells me that God expects the home to be a center of higher learning. This is where God expects people to be educated, not in the public schools. That's great for helping you with arithmetic. It's great for helping you with writing the alphabet. But God expects the home to be a center of higher learning. And I think to some extent and degree, we don't have Christian homes, uh, generally speaking, in our society the way that we ought because we've gotten away from that. We've gotten away from that. And so I want to uh, give some thought to this with you, what the Bible has to say about this idea of the home being a, a center for higher learning. Of course, when I say higher, we're talking about spiritual learning. Before I do that, do I seem to be too far off? I mean, that's the foundation of what I'm thinking is, do I seem to be too far off? You guys see a, a bunch of godly homes in our communities? Uh, maybe if we live next door to each other, maybe, right? Yes, sir. That's right. Yes, sir. One of the arguments that's used sometimes for not <coughs> children in a Christian education environment of whatever kind is that we're going to shelter them too much, as if uh, the social needs or whatever else are more prominent than uh, the, 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 these needs that Deuteronomy 6 is mm. talking about at their time. I guess the previous generation had been influenced by the Egyptians. This one has to go a different route. That's right. I wonder if we're not coming out of Egypt. Well, I think there is a lot of uh, there is a lot of parallel that we can make there. If you didn't hear Brother Moon, by the way, he he, he said um, that this idea of having of learning in a Christian home, it's not that you necessarily are setting aside a particular time to do it, although that's good. He said it's just that this is this is all day every day. This is who you are. It just permeates all of your discussion. Uh, on a consistent basis. Uh, but what Brother Terry just said, I'll tell you just an interesting anecdote. Uh, I don't want to belabor this because I'm going to be short of time anyway, but just a couple of weeks ago, I went to my doctor and uh, he professes to be a Christian, you know, and uh, we were talking about children and how you rear children. And he was sort of saying his approach is sort of to expose his children to a bunch of different things so that he can 
help them navigate through it and talk, talk through it. Um, and I kind of got the idea that he was not really agreeing with my approach, but my approach was, yeah, there are some things that I will expose my children to in the right time. You know, I don't think that they have to know certain things at 10 years old. Uh, there are some things that they probably shouldn't have to deal with until they're 30. But because of the way our world is, they're being presented with these things when they're five or six. So to the extent that I can sort of control when they are exposed to things, that's what I will, that's what I will do. Uh, sometimes, sometimes the cat gets out of the bag sooner than I, than I want it. But that's just this idea of sheltering. I'm like, yeah, people worry about their kids being socialized properly, uh, you know, if they do sort of keep them uh, safeguarded in the home. And I say, well, you know, if my children miss out on being socialized by the heathen, I think they're ahead. You know, I don't need to turn my children over to the devil and hope for the best. I'm going to keep them away as long as I can. Okay, enough of that. Um, individual study in the word of God. If you live by yourself, you still need to have a Christian home, don't you? Uh, a Christian home doesn't begin when you marry. A Christian home uh, would be what you have if you abide all by yourself. Uh, there has to be some structure to your home, even if you live alone. Doesn't the Bible say that Christ is the head of every man? And so there still is a leadership structure if you abide by yourself. Um, and there need to be some rules And those rules are not just for everybody else. They're for you as well. And so you would have those rules <coughs> even if you uh, live by yourself. But studying the word of God. In a Christian home, people are learning the word of God. If you look at the passage like uh, Psalm 1, 1 and 2, uh, doesn't David say that uh, the righteous man, the one who is uh, doing what God wants done, delights in God's law and he meditates in it day and night? Hey, listen, this is different than uh, having a daily reading plan and getting your one chapter in every day. You should do that. Shouldn't you read the Bible every day? Uh, but meditating day and night is beyond simply checking off the one chapter in your reading list. Meditating day and night. This is an immersion in the word of God, a thoughtful contemplation, a dwelling upon the thoughts of God. He says day and night. Uh, this is what an individual would do, even if he abides in his home alone. If you look at Acts 17 and verse 11, you'll recall that here Paul says of the Thessalonians that they were more noble than those at Thessalonica, uh, than the, of the Bereans. They were more noble than those at Thessalonica because they received the word with a ready mind. They had an, a ready mind and an open Bible. They were searching the scriptures daily to make sure the things that they were hearing were true. And so here again, we see a Christian, a group of people uh, who are being converted to Christianity and they are diligent on a daily basis, searching the scripture. See, that's different than just reading. They're looking and searching to confirm that certain things are true so that their faith is grounded in the Bible, the word of God and not in the teaching of men. Uh, and so this is the kind of character that you would see a daily exploration and thoughtful contemplation 
of the word of God. If you look at Acts chapter 88, and I know this is not in the um, this is not in the home setting, but still the individual who's trying to make sure he understands God's word. Notice in Acts eight, the eunuch is traveling. Of course, he's going home from Jerusalem and he's reading his Bible. See, there he is doing his own private reading and study. Uh, but when he has an opportunity, he asks a question about what he's reading. And he says, listen, uh, I need to uh, he's asking, do you understand what you're reading? He says, how can I understand except some man should guide me? This is in his own personal private reading. When the opportunity presents itself, he searches out some help to help him grow and increase in his understanding. What is the point that I'm trying to emphasize in a Christian home? Even if there's only one person living in the home, the reading of the Bible is an obvious. It's a given. Right. Reading the Bible is recommended and it's reasonable to do that every day. But I suggest to you in a Christian home that this is the bare minimum. It's the bare minimum that you read each day. You have to at some points slow down and really try to soak in what God is trying to convey. It's the difference in understanding the words that are being said and understanding the mind that is saying them. Do you see the difference? We shouldn't read the Bible for facts and information only, but the Bible is a portion of God's mind being open to us. And we want to understand the being who has given us those facts and information. At some point, you got to slow down and really contemplate what God is doing what he is trying to convey and what he is trying to accomplish in your life. Uh, that is the difference uh, between reading and study. Sometimes, you know, you read something and you walk away and you don't even remember what you read. Uh, but you did read it. But when you study things. So that's not going to happen. That's not going to happen. In studying, as opposed to merely reading, I'm saying we might slow down. These are some suggestions for you as an individual. You might slow down and, and truly try to contemplate a verse or a passage by going over it several times. Uh, if you're reading a particular book, you may take the time to try to outline that chapter of the book. You may take the time to cross-reference various verses that are in your reading there. Uh, you might slow down to do word studies. You might slow down to do some historical research so that you better understand the context of what you're reading. You might slow down to note questions that you need to get some help with the way that the eunuch did. He asked a question when the opportunity presented itself, and that's something that you might do in your Christian home, even if you're the only one who's in it. Uh, I make some recommendations here uh, to maybe make your own study more robust, some simple things. But instead of simply reading, uh, I say have thorough book studies. When you go into a book of the Bible, take some time to orient yourselves. When I teach a book in this setting, I like to do that before we dive into the first verse. Let me I want to prepare my mind for what I'm about to receive. Consider uh, then when you do that, consider that book in digestible pieces. You know, if you read three chapters a day, that's great. If you won't remember what you read, then it didn't help much. So you need to slow down to take it in some digestible pieces so that you can make real meaning and application of what you read. 
Uh, read it several times if you have to. Over and over and over again, that idea of meditating day and night in Psalm 1, it includes that, the rereading of whatever it is that you're taking in. Um, if you do that, then your, your understanding is going to increase. In a Christian home, we, we meditate on God's word day and night. And in your house, if you're the only one in it, that's what you are doing day and night. So the individual studying the word of God. As I mentioned, if you, uh, if you don't want to, you don't have to marry. Uh, Paul said, listen, there are some circumstances where it'd be better not to marry in 1 Corinthians 7. But if you do want to marry, you haven't sinned, and so you have that option. What you're doing as an individual in your Christian home, uh, when you marry, you will continue, but you will do that with your spouse. Uh, Mark chapter five and verse 19, an interesting uh, passage. Of course, it's not about marriage, but uh, Jesus has healed a man who wants to go with him. And Jesus says to the man, uh, go to your house, to your friends and tell them the great things that the Lord has done for you and how he has shown mercy on you. Tell your friends and family first the great things that God has done and how he has shown mercy on you. You So if God has ever blessed you, if God has taken any care of you, you need to talk about that with the people in your home. You need to talk about that with your friends and your family. And if you have a spouse, no children in the house, if it's just you and your spouse, then in a Christian home, that kind of conversation is going to take place. Yes, it will. Yes, it will. Jesus said you tell them first. Another passage that I think is interesting in this connection, we don't necessarily think about it this way, but in Matthew 28, we know Jesus gives the uh, great commission. We call it in verses 19 and 20 he says, go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations. Uh, and he says, of course, you're going to baptize them and teach them all the things that I commanded you. But he says, go and make disciples of all nations. Well, Mark says, preach the gospel to every creature. You know, that includes the creatures in your house. Fulfilling the Great Commission doesn't begin by getting on a plane and going halfway across the world and learning a new language and trying to immerse yourself in somebody else's culture. Fulfilling the Great Commission, listen to this, which does not end with baptism, begins in your house. Teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I commanded you. You do that in your own house first. And so if there's no one in the house except your spouse and you, the making of disciples, the continual process of helping people grow up into the image of Christ. Well, that's a daily occurrence in a Christian home because Christians are listening to Jesus and trying their best to teach people to observe everything that Jesus commanded, right? In this connection, I make this note, and then I'm going to ask you if you, can, if you have any uh, thoughts or feedback. I'm happy to hear it. But in this connection, I make this note. In 1 Corinthians 14, verses 34 and 35, oftentimes we emphasize there that Jesus is telling the uh, women that they are to keep silent in the church, and he does. 
Um, I think contextually it's important to note, I tell people this all the time, uh, the ladies aren't the only ones he told to keep silent. Uh, he told several groups of people to keep silent because he's telling you how to order your public services in a way that are not disruptive and that everybody can be edified by what is taking place. But he does say that, that the ladies are to keep silent in the church. But what about verse 35? He says that if the women would learn anything, that they ought to ask their own husbands at home. In a Christian home, if a man takes a wife, doesn't that mean that outside of the corporate services, outside of the public studies, there will be some continual study with the man and his wife in the home. Doesn't that mean that? That's not rhetorical. Doesn't it mean that? Am I? It absolutely means that. In the Christian home, husband and wife will take some time and sit down together with the word of God. And the idea is that the man being a leader in his home will go in advance of his wife in his study so that he can turn again and help her better understand. Um, my wife, if she ever has a question about the Bible, she can ask anyone she wants to. It's just that she lives with me. And I need to be a, a resource for her. You know, she turns to me and what does this verse mean? I said, well, wife, tell me what the verse says first. You know, uh, give me a head start on. It. She can ask me anything she wants. And if I don't know the answer, then it's my job to do the necessary legwork to go in advance of her so I can turn again and answer her question and help her understand. I mean, that's my job as a leader in my house. And that verse, boy, that's the part of this passage that really sticks out to me. When it talks about a woman's role in the public assembly, he says, well, there are certain things that go on in the public assembly. But then he says in the Christian home, there is a supplementation of what's happening in the public assembly so that even though the wife is not to speak out in the public assembly, she's not going to miss out. Is that making sense? In a Christian home, husbands and wives, they, they set aside some time to study the Bible together. I think that um, we do well for a lot of reasons to do that, but uh, for right now, I'll just point out that that absolutely has to be happening. Uh, if there's anyone in here who's married, that absolutely has to be happening. Um, it can be the case that a woman understands uh, some things better than her husband. And uh, I have known that to be the case. And by the way, my wife was a Christian a lot longer. She has been a Christian a lot longer than I have. She was a Christian and had been for years uh, when I first uh, came to know the Lord. And so there were some things that uh, she knew and understood better than I did. But uh, I made it my business to close that gap as soon as I could. It's not a competition. It's just that it's my job to help her. And so that meant that I just had to be voracious in my study and my preparation so that I would be the resource for her. And uh, I'm mindful of the idea that there may be some men who are situated the way that I was. That just means you've got some work to do. That's all. She's been a Christian for 30 years and you've been a Christian for three. Well, you better get busy. That's what that means. You've got some work to do. Uh, so spouses should constantly share their faith. In a Christian home, constantly sharing their faith 
with one another so that they are encouraging each other and equipping one another uh, to be more and more what God would have them to be. Uh, whether you have children in the home or not, and this is a mistake that I think people make sometimes, they, they wait until they have children and then they think it's time to start having family devotionals. No, no. They wait until they have children and then they think, well, it's time for us to go ahead and maybe read the Bible aloud. No, no. Husband and wife alone should be doing this. And uh, you can't have a Christian home, at least in the fullest sense, unless the occupants of the home are sharing their faith, sharing the word of God with one another. And of course, uh, we've mentioned husbands have a particular responsibility in this regard to help their wives better understand. Now, let me make a couple of practical suggestions uh, for the men among us. And uh, ladies, you just listen to this and then uh, you hold your husband accountable if he doesn't want to do this. Um, but, you know, hopefully every man in here studies the Bible to the extent and degree that he's got some resources in his house to help him better understand. You know, he's got some maybe he's got some lexicons or something like that to define, help him define terms. Or he's got a survey of the Old Testament and a survey of the New Testament to give him a brief introduction into a book. And maybe he's got, you know, a commentary or two that uh, gives a little bit more extended treatment. And of course, these things are not inspired, but they're aids and their helps and their tools. Uh, well, if you have those things, you should you should take your wife through those things, expose her to what you have and show her how certain things can be used to help facilitate her own study. Uh, I've got more books than I have space at this point. So uh, my wife and I think she's co-opted my mom to try to dissuade me from buying more. Uh, she's not going to use all that I have, but I do periodically take her and show her these are things that I think would be helpful to you in your study. So she knows where she can find certain things in my library that might be helpful to her. And I think that uh, husbands ought to do that kind of thing. Your wife hopefully has, you know, you have and, and you encourage and help her to have a determined approach to reading. As I said, we're not just picking up the Bible and sort of randomly falling into the Psalms every time we do. I mean, we have an approach. We're trying to get something in particular out of it. Um, and if that is happening, uh, then I think it likely that your wife will wind up doing some teaching. You know, because if we go in advance of others in our study, we turn again to teach. And so she may be teaching the children. She may be teaching other women. She may be engaged in evangelistic studies. Um, it's the husband's job to make sure that his wife has what she needs and is as prepared as she needs to be for whatever teaching work she is doing. Um, you know, if your wife is teaching the kids, I think it's some, it just would make sense at some point, wouldn't it, that you'd sit down with her and talk with her a little bit about what she's going to teach and offer some help or aid to supplement what she's doing. And the same would be true if it were a women's class or an evangelistic class, evangelistic study that she's engaged in. Is this making sense? Because it's my job as a leader to make sure that she is prepared any possible questions that she might have um, I'm supposed to help with that. It's my job to, as a leader, to equip 
those who I lead with what they need to do the job that they are doing to the best of their ability. That's the function of a leader, and certainly it'd be the function of a leader in his, in his home. Okay. Questions or thoughts about any of that? If you live all by yourself, you're going to have a Christian home? If you live all by yourself and you're a Christian, it should be a Christian home. And that means the home is going to be characterized by a daily meditation on the word of God. When you marry, um, you have your daily reading, maybe, and your wife has her daily reading. But there should be some point in time where you two come together and ingest the word of God together, together. And uh, wives, this may be an area where you can be an encouragement to your husband. You know, hey, listen, let's sit down and, and read together. Or This is what I'm doing right now, I'd like to sit down and think about that with you or talk about that with you. Or, you know, I'm going to write down some questions that I have based on what I've been reading or what, have, what I'm hearing at the congregation. And, and I want us to sit down and talk about some of that. That's supposed to be happening in a Christian home. Questions or thoughts about any of that? Also very controversial in this setting, uh, the things that I'm, that I'm saying. Okay, this is where my wife ridicules my humor because that's not funny, but it's, it doesn't, it's not laugh out loud funny, but it's, it, it amuses me. All right. Families should be studying the word of God. It's a family if it's just a husband or a wife, if it's just a husband and wife. But of course, here I, I'm contemplating the introduction of children into the equation. So what I've been doing as an individual in my Christian home abiding by myself, I've simply carry that over and multiply that by introducing a Christian spouse into the home with me. We do all of this together. Uh, now, at some point, if you desire it and the Lord blesses, uh, you'll have children. And uh, as a family, there should be study of the word of God, consistent study. And we saw this in Deuteronomy six and seven. But he says you'll have children and you should teach them diligently the statutes that God has given. Teach them diligently the statutes that God has given. In the same chapter, if you looked at verses 20 through 25, he says, and there's several times in, uh, in Deuteronomy where this uh, notion is mentioned, but he says in verse 20, when your son asks you in time to come, saying, what mean the testimonies and the statutes and the ordinances which Jehovah our God has commanded you? I just want to point out here. Do you see what he anticipates? He anticipates that the time will come when the young people, the children in the house will ask spiritual and religious questions. Wait a minute. What does God mean when he says this? Wait a minute. Why do we worship God this way when everybody else worships that way? Wait a minute. You mean this is what a person has to do to be saved? You're telling me that's what a person has to do? Then why does aunt so-and-so do it this other way? Why does uncle so-and-so teach it this other way? When those questions are going to arise. And he says... Uh, that's going to happen, that your son is going to ask you these questions is about what God has commanded. Look at this in verse 21. Then you shall say to your son. Now, that means you're supposed to have an answer the same way a husband is supposed to have an answer for his wife. He says that you're supposed to have an answer for your children. 
We were Pharaoh's bondsmen in Egypt and Jehovah brought us out of Egypt with a mighty hand and Jehovah showed signs and wonders great and sore upon Egypt, upon Pharaoh and upon all his house before our eyes. And he brought us out from thence that he might bring us in to give us the land which he swore to our fathers. And Jehovah commanded us to do all these statutes to fear Jehovah our God for our good always that he might preserve us alive as it is this day. And it shall be righteousness unto us if we observe to do all this commandment before Jehovah our God as he has commanded us. This helps me to see that in a Christian home, parents are expected to be able to explain to their children what God has done, what God requires, and how God will bless if we do what he says. I tell my children all the time, you know, a lot of people don't do this. Our, we have neighbors and they're, do, they're nice people and they're doing all kinds of different stuff. But you see, this is who God is. This is what God has done. This is what God expects. And this is how he will bless us for doing what he wants done. That's a conversation that in a Christian home has to be happening. It's not a one time chat. That's a consistent conversation, who God is, what God has done, what he expects and how he will bless our obedience. That's a consistent conversation in a Christian home and Christian parents are expected to say that. In Colossians 3 and 16, I know this uh, passage has to do with the assembly, but it doesn't it's not restricted to the assembly. That is that we're supposed to teach and admonish one another specifically with our singing. Uh, this would be a passage that I would say in a Christian home where learning is emphasized. Singing would also be emphasized in the Christian home. It's not something that only happens in the assembly, but in the home we teach and admonish one another uh, with our singing. We teach and admonish and we use our singing in part to do that. So that would be a part of the Christian home. That'd be a part of the family's study, teaching and admonishing through song. We sing about the great deliverance that Christ has given and about the reward that we anticipate. I'd also point you to 2 Timothy 3 and 15. You remember this passage. The Bible says that uh, this man, Timothy, knew the scriptures from the time he was a babe. I wonder how he came to know and understand the scriptures at such a tender age. As a babe, he didn't have his own personal copy of the Bible. He probably wasn't sitting there trying to read. And listen, the sacred writings at this time were on scrolls that wouldn't have even, you know, he couldn't have that in his own house likely. But the Bible tells us that his mother and his grandmother were women of faith. They were faithful Christians. They knew the holy writings and they told Timothy those holy writings from the time he was a babe. Sounds to me like what God has in mind in Deuteronomy 6. This is just always happening in a Christian home. This is an ongoing subject of discussion. Everything that is happening is being filtered through the sacred writings. And so he's been exposed to it his whole life. He doesn't know anything different. Yes, sir. The sin of God was, was not in the Old Testament. It was born out of exile when they realized 
that that wasn't being done. Mm. They weren't teaching their children. Mm. They, they were in a foreign land, parked in Babylon, and they were needing to recover God's word and teach it to their children. So that institution was born, and its function was a school to teach children. And they taught them to read and write by using the Torah, the, the Old Testament. Mm. Now, they didn't stick to that noble principle, and they got off by the time of Jesus. But the principle was, we got to teach your children, and it starts with God's word. Yeah, I hope you guys heard that, but Terry was telling us that the synagogue started, of course, while the Jews were in exile. You don't read that in the Old Testament. They were going to the temple, but you don't make it to the temple when you're in Babylon. And so when they saw that the teaching was not taking place as it should, they started to establish these synagogues, which were sort of local gathering places where people would come and assemble. And you know what they did in those synagogues? The Bible tells us Moses and the prophets were read every Sabbath in the synagogues. And people studied and uh, practiced, learned how to read and write and all that using the scriptures. Uh, this is what should be happening in the Christian home for sure. I would point out to you a couple of quick observations about families studying the word. When children are too young to read, uh, they're still capable of learning. Uh, Timothy was a babe. I don't know exactly what that means, but maybe he was too young to read. But, you know, he was not too young to learn. And so you can teach children to memorize scriptures before they can read themselves. You can teach them to memorize the books of the Bible in order and you can teach them to understand the sections of the Old Testament and the sections of the new. Uh, there's quite a bit that can be done and it should be done uh, just about as soon as that child is born. Uh, children get older and they can do more. They should be. Uh, expected to read on their own. They should be expected to, in my house, I like my children to give me a report. Do your reading. This is what are you reading right now? Or this is what you're assigned. Now come back and report and tell us, explain to us what God is saying and what we ought to be doing in light of what he is saying. Uh, with a little guidance, every child can do that. And of course, our, our time is gone. But the, I just the last thing I would tell you as a Christian home, yes, people are going to attend the assembly and people are going to uh, worship God together. But that doesn't make a Christian home because people show up at the services uh, in a Christian home. People are consistently talking about studying the word of God and sharing their faith. That's if there's one person or one couple or even one child. That has to happen. Thank you for your time tonight.